Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 348. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we look at the everything bagels nihilism and we say, no, thank you. I'm getting cinnamon raisin. I am your host, Nagin Farsad. The Oscars came and went. Persian New Year is just around the corner. It's an exciting season. And today, we're going to talk about that one bank failure, Ronnie and Donnie in Iowa, and we'll ask why teens are so miserable. And we'll also ask if there should be more kid-free events, just in general. Uh, I'm so excited by today's panel. It's sort of like um, my past has come to haunt me panel. Haunt? I mean, and by haunt, and, and haunt in this case is a positive term. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is like uh, it, it, it's like my my life in comedy. Um, so first up, one of my first OG comedy friends. Uh, I remember doing her show in the East Village back when we all had little bar shows that we ran. Uh, she, I mean, look, she's just a decorated, decorated writer and performer. She's already had specials. She's got a new book coming out. It's called Not Funny, and it's available for pre-order. Uh, she's the wonderful Jenna Friedman. Hey, Jenna. Hi. And you've heard her on the show before. She's a veteran of the show, let's be honest. But uh, I, but I'm so excited to have you back because this is the first time you're on the show as a mother. 
So oh, that's right. exciting. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I was trying to forget about that for like 20 minutes. Thanks for bringing it up, <laughs> Nikine. Um, We also have joining us on the show today. Now, look, this dude, again, decorated writer. He was a writer for The Daily Show for like one million years. Uh, so if you ever liked The Daily Show, he is a large reason why. Uh, but also... He taught a class in in monologue joke writing that I took low these 100 years ago. <laughs> and uh, and he's just been such a supportive, menchy dude ever since, on top of just being a, an incredibly decorated television writer. It is the wonderful J.R. Havlin. Hey, do you, J.R. Do you think I'm Jewish? What? <laughs> Everybody who works at the Daily Everybody Show is a little bit is, Jewish. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Whether you're I basically like Jewish. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was a I was a television writer. I worked at the Daily right, Show. Yeah, there's a lot going on for you. You live I guess in New I York just City. have to accept my new religion. Yeah, there it is. But JR, uh, we also do have to like uh, disclaimer now. Post me too when we have a nice guy who's actually a nice guy on anything. We have to be like he's Menchi. He's a nice guy because oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I look, I don't know what moniker is good anymore. Right, I right. just assume they're all bad when they're directed towards me. I I I feel like Menchi is is very uh, safe. Across yeah, the he's board. not a creep is all we're saying. Yeah, we yeah, 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 right. exactly. That I understand. Well, before we launch into the show, I just want to remind everybody that Persian New Year is March 21st. And uh, as I do on this show every year, I'm actually going to go to my kids' preschool to indoctrinate them uh, right after this taping. We're like, I'm showing them the whole thing with the um, sofra half scene and uh, jumping over fire, which is something that happened last night. Um, it's happening in New York City on Thursday night because of weather conditions. So if you're in New York City and you want to jump over fire with me uh, to mark the start of Persian, uh, the week before Persian New Year, uh, it's going to be happening in the Lower East Side. Uh, hit you, me up. Can you describe jump over fire? Yes, that sounds so random when you just say jump sounds over fire. Sounds very specific, like a it specific is, thing so I'm not going to do. It's called Charshambish Suri, which means basically the eve before the Wednesday before New Year's. <laughs> and you jump over fire because New Year, Persian New Year's is very secular. Um, and it's about spring. And so basically the Zoroastrians a gajillion years ago started jumping over fire the week before as, as a like um, as a symbol of health. So you and you say as you jump over the fire, I give you my red health and I'll I take your paleness. So it's basically you bestowing your health um onto everybody. You have to say all that while you're jumping? Yeah, you say that when you're jumping. It's a big I mean jump. it's it's a cuter <laughs> Michael little, Jordan style It's a jump. cuter phrase in Farsi, but yes. Oh, okay. So. Um so and also just uh it's an interesting time to be celebrating Persian New Year because of uh women life freedom in Iran. They are still trying to do a revolution and shit is bonkers and young girls are poisoned in school and it's really sad and I will have more updates on that um, but I think it's like a good time to like take a minute and like think about everyone in Iran and also to celebrate spring and to give them uh, jump over the fire and give them uh, your health okay let us get into it with topic number one um, okay, so let's talk about Silicon Valley Bank. I'm going to attempt to explain what happened. Um, as we all know, I am an economist. So mm. this is just going to roll off the tongue. Uh, but basically, Silicon Valley Bank was doing really well. They had a bunch of deposits. And then they started doing some, like, sh not shenanigans. They just basically took a bet on 
10-year treasury bonds, which is a word I'd like not to say again in this episode. <laughs> but they took a, a, a bet on that, and uh, which was just, which would have been fine, except for it wasn't because of interest rates, blah, blah, blah. And that means their money was locked up for 10 years. So some dudes like Peter Thiel uh, noticed this and started saying on the internet, like, hey, dudes, you guys should get your money out of Silicon Valley Bank. Like, they have this treasury bond issue. And that created a run on the bank, which is a phrase that everyone has heard and we may actually say again in this episode with some mild confidence. So that bank failed. It just straight up failed. And um, of course, the U.S. government uh, with Biden at the helm stepped in and was just like, everybody calm down. You're going to get your money. So it's like that aspect of it is fine. Um, But I guess my question for the two of you is... uh, did either of you freak out? Did this mean anything to you? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I had five, six billion in, in SVP, Silicon SVB, Valley. right? So, yeah, SVB. That's what we call it. That's what we're going to say from now on. We're so inside. Jenna, how many billions of dollars did you have in that bank? <laughs> oh, so many. Uh, I did have a friend who has a show on Roku, and it kind of raised an eyebrow. Uh-huh. Like, oh, man, the one stable platform for us to have content now might be compromised apparently- oh, because they had all their money at svb yeah yeah they had like half uh, of like, their like a half a billion dollars or something no 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 i think it was well more, it was well, more, than that? more yeah more maybe more than that and half that they yeah and the whole deal was that none of it was none of it's insured it was not even yeah fdic so right it was originally only fdic insured up until 250 but then that's when biden stepped in 250,000. Again, like we're not economists, so whatever. But like this whole thing is just a um a very 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 mini small version of what happened in 2008. The thing that happened in 2008 was huge and there wasn't underlying money. There is actual underlying money here. It wasn't like a lie. It's just that they locked up a lot of their money in treasury bonds. So it's not it's a, I think it's to, again, that's, as an economist, that's not, that's not total. That's not totally it, really. The okay. uh, apparently the uh, as an economist, yes, right. <laughs> We're all economists like, here. Look, yeah, they had twenty billion in the um, in the in the treasury bonds. Yeah, and out of a little over two hundred billion that they had total. Okay, and but they were. The, re- the 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 whole thing really started because they they were what was considered a small bank which is like under $50 billion in assets. Yeah. And, um, and then when they, then when they got, they, they, so they were able to do uh, um, venture capitalism. They started doing venture capitalism with their money, which you're really not supposed to do. And which as is a inherently bank. risky. And so yes. for you which to, is inherently like risky, the riskiest right. kind of thing. Take on risk, but not be accountable when the risk fails is another question. Right. Keep the, going, yeah. Jared. Sorry. Well, they were still doing this while they had, they knew that the, uh, nothing was nothing was um, insured for over 250K. Right. And people, I don't know how many people who had money in there, more than 250K, knew what they were doing. Wait, besides yourself. Besides myself, I knew. I took it out early. <laughs> I took it out on Tuesday. I'm good. So when they started making, when they, they, they started bringing in some more money, they um, then they lobbied Congress, of course, yeah. to overturn. They didn't really overturn Dodd Frank, but they um, they changed uh, an Listen aspect of it. So they, yeah, they yeah. they changed the regulation so it lifted the amount of funds you could have and still do 
venture capitalism or these types of deals. Right. And that's when they started getting in trouble. And when so part of the money that they had was in treasury bonds, 20 million, 10 percent of their money. The problem was that they that, you know, they, like you said, the interest rates go up. So bond bond value prices come down, down. Yeah. the value of the bonds come down. So they sold their entire bond portfolio for 18 billion or something. So they lost 2 billion. They lost 10 percent. And every that's when everybody started to wonder why would you do that right. instead of just holding on to it to maturity yeah. where it might they come didn't back have the cash and it's because they didn't have the cash and that's where the so, problem came so so first my of all my favorite part about this conversation on a side note it's just thinking about the people who are bankers and economists listening to us and just sweating because <laughs> we're comedians <laughs> trying to have a conversation um, I know, my, and by everything that JR said is way more than I thought any of us would say but my understanding is that it is fundamentally a um, uh, 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 less of a fly like the, the there were you know just credits default derivatives or whatever the fuck those were called in 2008 those were all shenanigans there's like my, yeah. fewer shenanigans and here. my sister who is uh who works in finance was very adamant and in, in not comparing that I, I wasn't even calling about that i think <laughs> but she was like very <laughs> irate she's like this is not like 2008 it's not right. like 2008 um, I just the thing about it that is uniquely interesting uh, from where I'm standing is the role of social media, the Peter Thiel's. Yes. Uh, the talk Mark about Cubans. that. I mean, so much about uh, uh, talk about that. <laughs> I just go silent. Yeah. But just the fact that, you know, like it's similar to GameStop. It's just like, how do you know when everything is about like impression and and, and perception, how does social media um and like the kind of in the interplay between perception and the reality uh, and how it pertains to banking in this kind of brave new world that we're in where so much is about perception. Uh, you know, how is that going to work for our economy going forward? Um, just a small thought. But then also the other thing is like the other thing about it and all of my understanding of this is very, very macro, more macro than macroeconomics because I wasn't really good at that either. But it's also because I probably partied too much in college and didn't have the attention span to do my homework. <laughs> but on a macro level, um, just lost the train. My train of thought because I, yeah, I, I saw mom. you. The fun, the fun thing was that I saw you losing your train of thought. <laughs> you saw me lose my train of thought. And then, yeah, I just, I could see it. It's fabulous. <sighs> Uh, but wait, did like, you want to say about the internet about on macro. a macro level? The like, but the internet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I the couldn't internet help. I aspect of this. Oh, yeah, it's um, oh, the libertarians, the libertarians. <laughs> it's always Valley. the libertarians. We're really gonna bail them out. We're really gonna bail out the people that literally want to dismantle the government and just accumulate more power. That's the thing that kind of irks me about all this. And then the Amazing. fact that they're yeah. they're like holding the rest of us hostage, saying if you don't fix this, it's gonna be a run on the banks. Really. Is it? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an economist. And and if 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 the only takeaway from my contribution to this conversation is to make <laughs> some bankers squirm on their way to work, good, because that's the least I can do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I uh, I don't know. My my final thought on this is, um, I. I, I do think those dudes have an outsized role in scaring people. So that uh, so I think that part of it is really is the entire world of meme stocks and um, and what the Internet is doing to like our actual understanding of finance, understanding of finances, because it could have been 
that they lost $2 billion by selling their treasury bonds and doing all that stuff. And then they would have waited out another period or they would have raised $2 billion from like a whoever. And it would have been fine, right? But on but because there was uh, the, uh, Peter Thiel and his buddies like built up all this fear, then it ended up definitely not being fine. You know well, what I mean? Well, it's also, you got to keep in mind, this, this happened, you know, they, they weren't saying anything until it happened. And that was, it was all within the last week, yeah. basically. I mean, it was all very, very quick. So people may have known what was going on over there a little bit, but it wasn't a public thing. But then when they sold right. that, it became that public. then it became public. And then I think you're... Mark Cubans and people like that jump in because they want to have a voice wherever they right. can have a voice. But also, you know, like, look, they're human. What Whatever their response to this is, is going to be a large dose of self-preservation and self-interest. Yeah. So, you know, because some people want the government to come in, some people don't. I mean, the idea that libertarians now all of a sudden want the government to come in, this government that they're trying to dismantle in the first place, like that's, it, it, that's it's comical. But um, you know, I don't think Mark Cuban has like a uh, you know a dollar in this race, except that it might affect other banks or something. Right, right, know? right, right. And um, and and yeah, if if somebody didn't notice that and start in on it, and there wasn't sort of this slightly panicky run going on, then maybe they could have gotten away with something. But the fact of the matter is, it seems pretty clear that they took this money out because they couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. And the reason they couldn't get anywhere else is because... They shenanigans they, and I, and I have, the other part. Yeah, is is because they because of the shenanigans. Yeah. Um, and the shenanigans that they lobbied people to, to allow get, them right. to so, do. Uh, and, the shenanigans, and, and this was... And there's one more thing. Yeah. The, all of the... The average pay at Silicon Valley Bank was 250000 average for like 900 employers or something. Jesus. You okay. know, and 250000 And And... Uh, um, and you know that a ton of that is at the top, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but bonuses went out on Wednesday. Yeah. Yes, bonuses went out on Wednesday. Apparently, it was scheduled a scheduled thing. Yeah. But the bonuses went out. Like everybody got their bonus on fucking oh, Wednesday. Oh my CEO god! Also sell stocks like sell it like three. That's I don't I don't I don't know, but I wouldn't be at all surprised. And I I completely wondered that. Is that I didn't look it up. I mean, so, again, I just like. I, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. If if he if if he if he sold any he, he if he sold so, any he should yeah it's crazy you shouldn't I mean, be able to but yeah. I, I think in closing we want uh th there's a reason for Dodd Frank I think is one of the things we're learning right like the that regulation would have worked if it had been maintained <laughs> um and uh and also thank God we're able to do something about I I I I do think I'm. You know, I just in terms of the cascade effect, I'm glad that, um, you know, Biden stepped in. Let us move on to a different part of the political world. Donnie and Ronnie are both making trips to Iowa. The, the backdrop of the Trump candidacy, of, of course, um, the news that he might have to testify in front of a grand jury um, and that he'll probably face charges. The backdrop for Ronnie is that he can't stop making his state unhospitable uh, with Laurels targeting the LGBTQ community. Um, so I guess, is this the race? I mean, Nikki Haley is also running. <laughs> She's running, but no one's really talking about her. Um, what, where do you, what are your thoughts, Jenna, on the state of the race, the GOP primary? Um, so having followed other primaries, you really just don't know until, I mean, Jeb Bush was a, a front runner, 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be fun to I think it'll be fun to watch. I mean, if we can disassociate from the reality of what's going on. Um, I like that they're I like that DeSantis and Trump are kind of at each other's throats. Um, and uh, I have no dog in the fight, but um, I don't know. DeSantis is terrifying because he's more competent than Trump. Trump is terrifying for all the reasons we've already known. Uh, Nikki Haley doesn't stand a chance. Um, you know, my, I, I have no idea, but it's, it's, it's funny. What, what is it that people who really don't stand a chance get, what do they get out of, I, I never could quite figure that out. Book deal? Just, I mean, I mean yeah, there's like just a profile, the, right? Yeah. Because I, people. I, I I always thought like Pete Buttigieg was that was that guy in the early days of twenty. Was what, was what guy? Like what what does he get out of it? No, like he was the the doesn't stand a chance guy to me. It, like I mean, a lot of there was like we had how many candidates that round? Like 12 yeah, there were twelve or something, yeah, so or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, and I'd say like eight of them to me felt like don't stand a chance. But if you look at someone like Pete Buttigieg, it sort of I mean now he has a job in the cabinet. I mean you do you get name recognition. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marianne Williamson, she's yeah. everyone's favorite something. <laughs> And on the she GOP really side where you're not held to any standards, like for de- for the Democrats, if you're on a debate and you say something stupid, it could kind of hurt your profile. But on, yeah. on the other side, just the more noise, the better. I think. Yeah, the stupid, the, the dumber, the more ignorant kind of things you can say. It's funny because I was reading a Reuters piece that described Trump as expansive and combative in his speech in Iowa. Um, DeSantis, though, was buttoned down and tightly scripted, which I think is exactly your point, uh, Jenna, is is that's what's scary about both of them. Um, One is sort of like combative without having like actual uh, disciplined goals. And then the other one, uh, you know, he's scripted, he's more competent and he has goals um, that are very clear. Uh, What's also really funny to me is that Trump's appearance was actually a policy address on education, (laughs) but he spent the entire time talking about like trade deals that supported uh, Iowa's ethanol. So uh, again, just like he just talks. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's I've literally never seen him go to an event that has some sort of name where he t- discusses anything right. even remotely related to what to what the event, the event is. is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they don't seem to care. <laughs> Nobody seems to care. It's ridiculous. Um. All right. Well, we'll continue to keep an eye on the I wanted to. We haven't talked about why do you call him Ronnie? Just uh, that's just a. I don't know. Just uh, some listener actually like. Uh, I, is it, even, is it like, Donald Jr. or is it one of those? Is it Donnie Junes? Don, yeah. Don, Don, is Donald... he Jr.? He is Jr. No, so Do- he's not Jr. No, he's oh he himself. No, no, no. Uh, no I'm, wait, I'm talking about no, no, not. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about his son, and you've got me all confused. <laughs> No, but Donnie, I is just a, a way that I refer to him throughout his his. Who's Ronnie? Ronnie is Ron DeSantis. Oh, okay. I, keep thought, I thought you were talking Sorry, about his son, folks, and I was like, I, you know, he has some pet name for him. <laughs> I just never thought of Ron DeSantis as Ronnie. Never even it's heard it. It's just fun to me that they are both, you know, uh, Ron and Don. It took me a minute, too. It took me a minute, too. You know, right, listeners, I'm so sorry. I, I meant to say DeSantis at some point in there, and I yeah. guess I did not do that. And we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue talking. 
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back and we're ready for <laughs> topic number two. So the last Sorry, weeks... I was laughing. It's just that something really funny <laughs> happened over the break. <laughs> and folks, the funny thing that happens uh, is that we'll tell you later. The, there is up. no break. It's just, it's, it's literally three and a half seconds of me taking a breath. Uh, so here we go with topic number two. The last few weeks we saw a spate of articles pointing to how miserable teenagers are. And I mean, look, teenagers are always miserable. Their bodies are still changing. They make terrible style choices. Their crushes almost never like them back. They go through a gypsy punk phase and then an emo goth phase. And it's really confusing. And if any of that sounds familiar to you, then you're me. But apparently... Teenagers now are not just regular levels miserable, they're extra miserable. And before we get into the particulars of why this might be and some of the pieces we read, do you do you think teenagers are more miserable? JR, I noticed um, from having performed at one of your kids' PTA shows <laughs> that you have a child who's almost a teen. Yeah, but don't belittle the show in that. No, like, I... Yeah, but- that was a good show. <laughs> that was a fantastic <laughs> yeah. show with like headlining Who comics. in a middle school gymnasium we'd pull it off? By know? the way, what a gorgeous theater. 
Yeah, not for a I said gymnasium. School, it is, no, it was, it was a, a straight up auditorium. Yeah, but it was we, beautiful. we did it up. We did, we it, did up. it up, and you had like straight. It doesn't up look just, like that in the light of day. No comedy no, no, club no. does. You, you had horrifying. You had headliners on that stage, and it was ridiculous. And they had no idea how good they had it. Those, yeah, the, yeah. there parents. was a lot of that going around that night. I think everybody. <laughs> thought, I don't know what everybody <laughs> thought they were going to come to. We're boring your audience entirely. But, um, but okay. And the game came down and did a show for me. It was a. It was a. A fundraiser for my kids. School. One of my kids. My boy is thirteen. Okay, so he is, you know, a, technically a teenager. Yeah, he's a young thirteen, though I would say. So, do, are you getting any whiffs of the teenagers being miserable? Uh, no, no. I, I I understand what they what the article was talking about. Basically, you know, the um, I think what they're talking about is just. The world in general for for and and how children are going to perceive it are forced to perceive it going forward. I mean, you think about like, like, how is it that most kids are growing up right now and not thinking that their only path to any kind of success is to is to compile followers on social media? You know, it doesn't even matter what you do or whether or not you learn a profession, let alone become a plumber or something like that. I mean, God forbid. Right. That leave that to the middle of the country, I guess. But even if you become a plumber, if like if you are at the airport and your flight's delayed and you like need a refund, you still need social media to get that refund. Like the only, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, you just need like it's it, it gives you like any semblance of power because I know I sound ranty, but yes, to your point, three things: it's social media, it's kids getting shot in school that can't be fun for that generation, and it's the pandemic among other things. It's like. Yeah, of course, anybody with eyes open is pretty bummed out um, being a kid these days. Um, But to your point, JR, about like, I don't know, I sometimes use Twitter if I need to get like an airplane refund, um, which is like a weird (laughs) thing to say. I don't understand that aspect of Twitter. So the aspect is like, hey, JetBlue, or like, where's my bag? You know, and like, like, and then your bag turns up. And then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You have X amount of followers. I'm going to get back to you and help you. Yes. Yeah, it's right. Just if like you have culture, X amount. Yeah, right. If you have X amount. It's like the culture that we live in is so insane. There's no accountability on. I'm ranting about like the same kind of tying it back to our first conversation. But just like look at what happened with like Southwest Airlines. You know what I mean? It's like we're like living in this like kind of late stage capitalist hellhole. And the only way that you have like any political power now, because you're not even talking to somebody on the other end of the phone, is like if you're just like on social media and you have a following and you can like get a refund or like talk to a person because of like your following, which I know this sounds like hyperbolic and insane. But to your point about like kids needing social media Yes, I agree. <laughs> well, so, okay. I mean, it's interesting, Jenna, because you sort of lay out some of the stuff that was um, ta- that's talked about by Matt Iglesias, but his point is, so we read, we, we read a piece by Ross Douthat, and Ross Douthat definitely talks about, I mean, his main point is that the timing of this mental health trend is fits the smartphones, quote, increasing substitution for in-person socialization. So, um, and that means a rise in social media, blah, blah, blah. But generally, instead of hanging out with other kids, they are hanging out on their phones. And that is, that's Ross Dowd, that's big point there. But Matt Iglesias noted something, and this is all comes from this like CDC data that they did, that, that came out recently. Matt Iglesias found an interesting correlation, which is that he broke things down by ideology and found that the that liberal 
boys are more depressed than conservative girls um, and that liberal girls are more depressed. Um, basically, liberal teens are more depressed than conservative teens. And so he talks about part of that. And one of the things he says is that basically <laughs> liberals tend to catastrophize more. So instead of uh, perceiving things as like, well, on a day-to-day -day basis, my life is basically fine. And conservatives tend to begin to learn how to fool themselves or like much earlier on. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think it But I think there is some up. truth to the catastrophizing liberal. Right. Because to OK, but right, even now, like to say, like we live in a late stage um, economic hellhole, late stage capitalist nightmare. It's like, I mean, we we do. But on a day to day basis, what has my my personal life as as a person who totally sees what you're saying and agrees? I'm not sure that I need to have a negative assessment of my life. Yeah, if I'm a conservative teenager, all I'm thinking is like, if I can just keep the gays in check, things could be okay. <laughs> right? So you do whatever right. you got to do. Right. You're like, well, everything's fine except for this one thing. I wouldn't thing say gay. We'll I wouldn't say use the word. I would I say them or something. So, yeah. so, so Iglesias' point is we need to stop catastrophizing because the, we're doing that and it's affecting the teens. It's my brand, though. So I can get That's... service when I fly JetBlue. <laughs> how do we how do we how do we do comedy without making things seem like they're way worse than they are? You know what? It's also like it's also just this self-fulfilling thing in that every generation thinks that their generation is the worst off generation and well, what are we possibly leaving for our kids except maybe you know right after the war or something where yeah. they had yeah, this sort of like true. that i mean aside from that the the um world war ii oh gotcha oh yeah, sorry yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you were talking about desert Storm. not star wars <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah aside aside yeah man we were on, we were on a ride and a high after that for sure but uh, I, I think that you you go back like no decade. We did a we did a piece. I don't know if you were there at the Daily Show at the time, Jenna. When we did this piece that I always loved and I bring up a lot, and it was it was um, it was Talking Heads, you know, on on the news talking about like in my day and the, you know like this, we didn't have it like this, blah blah blah. When I was growing up, all of that, and we used them all, and they were from different generations, and so you look back at how things were in their day, and it's like the fifties, the sixties, you know, they just these all kinds of tragic things happening each decade where you can say like, this is the worst time to be alive ever. So I don't think that's necessarily a new thing. And there are all kinds of things that are going wrong that need to be fixed. And they, and some of them are, you know, global warming or whatever is or not, or whatever, something like global warming is becoming more and more, and more predominant because it's, it's, it's showing itself. Right. And so that, you know, that so all of a sudden people aren't thinking like, oh, I'm just being, you know, um, uh, I'm just being paranoid. It's like, no, this shit is going on. And I think Jenna's point as well with teenagers, I mean, think about when like I was a teenager a long time ago and it was a completely different world. So I, I have no idea how I would relate to any of this stuff that's going on now as yeah. a teenager. But if you're talking about having to have some sort of presence on social media, getting bullied like fucking crazy on social media and and then on top of that having to deal with like possible school shootings doing these lockdown tests that they do in schools all the time and then what was the other one COVID. Jenna, and then and then and then which and then, pushes for, you like, online yeah. even further because you don't you know because everybody's in yeah. lockdown 
I mean, talk about a kid that's 15, 16 years old and really kind of spent 13 and 14. I mean, just puberty inside, not associating with other children. Yeah, no, that, that is a nightmare. Yeah. Now, I, I would, okay, but I would also say that as adults, we have, because I'm around a lot of adults that do just very pessimistic, negative talk all the time. And it has an effect and it is, there's like a group thing to it. It's not like I have a single, when I like meet my friends for brunch and I'll be like, how's it going? They'll be like, oh, aside from the world being on fire, I'm fine. Like everything always starts with a comment like that, right? Don't, so we're don't just ever like, invite me to brunch. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and and look no I'm and I'm not saying I don't make comments like that myself I'm just saying so I have a friend a comedian who shall remain nameless but both of you know him and he whenever I hang out with him he's always just like gets into geopolitics and how depressed he is because something with Russia and then this other thing with China and and it's just huge world events I right? want to see his act and my <laughs> yeah maybe he's just working out jokes to you <laughs> yeah and then, I'm gonna tell you, you they're not him, you Atlantic go, you go not... see him perform and it's just but, all the same shit and like, I exactly. said to him you know <laughs> I said like, to him yeah, <laughs> I said to him listen buddy uh I think that I'm going to start putting all of this energy I have about being angry about the world into like making my neighborhood as great as it can be. And so I joined the, um, you know, I'm one of the founding members of the Friends of Tompkins Square Park, not to brag. And and we literally just last week got our very, very first minor little micro grant to rehabilitate tree beds in that park, just a handful of tree beds. It's again, it's not a big deal, but what is it? It's actual fucking action on a local level. And the action makes me feel better. And it's like, that's, and again, I'm not saying I'm a good person. I'm just saying that I would love for pe- for that mindset to, I, f- I would love for things to just be not about the doom and gloom, but something positive about the action. And I'm like, I'm gonna tell you, I've never been more excited to plant tree, bu- to plant bulbs. Yeah. And you the know two what I mean? can coexist. You know, you can, they can motivate they can. each other. They can But coexist. right now I don't think that, that there's two. I think it's right. just this one negative ball of negative and then you know, and then there's uh everything and and little efforts to kind of break through that seem not to be working, and now all the teenagers are depressed. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Does your so friend have? Does your gloom, doom, and gloom friend have kids? No. Then he has nothing to be depressed about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And next time you're at brunch, tell him that. Put me on the phone. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, last he's not qu- angry due to a lack of sleep. Right. Is my guess. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Um, like l- last question on this, Jr. So like you do have a kid. He is going to be entering or That's two. She- no, but the the t- the thirteen year old. Yeah, I have one teenager. The girl's eleven though, and she's a she's an older eleven. Okay. So oh, okay. Yeah, I have two twelve year olds. Okay, got you. <laughs> <laughs> so they are going to be teenagers. Is there anything you plan on doing to get ahead of the depressive effect of of being a teenager? I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I like I'm uh, sometimes in general. I feel like I've I've done so many shitty things as a parent, <laughs> like so just like piles and piles of yeah, like yeah. enormous mistakes. Yes, and uh, um. And uh, and I also have a pretty good pile of things that uh, that I've done right and continue to do right, and I think that's going to continue too. I, I have to focus on uh, more on just being 
you know, patient and present for them and and hope that they're not hit with outside shit. Like what happens is you begin to have like maybe it's good that I don't have as much of an influence on them now as I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wish I understood that a little bit better so that I could have been really a little tighter with my influence and 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 understood that when they were younger. Yeah. yeah. What what uh, what kind of impact the things that I do have on them? It, I would sometimes treat them like adults and wonder why you don't know this shit that I'm telling you kind of thing. <laughs> Right, right, and, right. Um, and now what's going to happen, and what's happening is then they start becoming com- in, uh, far more influenced than they are by you, by the outside world, by yeah. their friends, by social media, by just by their phones. And you, in, a, in a way, you kind of have to cross your fingers. Right. Uh, but also, you know, you, you just you, you keep it tight at home as much as you can. You know, my kid has a, has a, has a phone. He has an iPhone. My daughter has a flip phone. And at one point they need an iPhone, so you give you give yeah. them an iPhone, but you put restrictions on it so they can only have it, you know, going for a certain amount of time. Because when they ask for more time, you ask them what they were doing, and you can look and see, right. and you can try to shut it down. And and you know the nice thing about my my thirteen year old, my boy, is that he's he's uh, um he's like a full on like a hundred across the board straight A student, and that's not not because we like. Uh, we push him to do that. He just in, ends Is up being, that way. Yeah. He's recognized as an er, at an early age that it's not difficult to do in a public school to get straight A's is is not really like a a a, a big thing. But in order to move on afterwards, you need to do that. Yeah. You have to be in that top five or whatever. And so that's all I tell him is like, this is great what you're doing. Keep it up because that's going to help you move on. And you know how easy it is. And but he does it by himself. And 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 so. I, I'm hoping that he's the kind of kid that understands these things on his own and then I can just be there for support. I don't trust myself to be the the wise person who's going to like in every movies with parents who change a child's life with three words piss me the fuck off <laughs> I guess that's so not how it much works. <laughs> I hate that shit they just say something and all of a sudden it's just some right, epiphany right, right, for the right, kid right. and now the next thing you know they're just they're out there winning football games or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah even yeah. though they couldn't even throw a football you know well I, I just want to say um, in terms of like acts of optimism and that that I would love that should be in the same breath as the negative ball um that you are, as you you know, as we mentioned, you're the president of the PTA of yeah. your kid's school, and that's fucking cool. That's great. Like, what a what a what a what a service to your community. You know what I mean? That's tremendous. I don't know. Ask the parents. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Going to have to take a poll on that one. All right. Before we get into the next topic, I just want to remind you that we are going to be doing a fake the nation bonus pod succession recaps that's right fake nation will be recapping succession for this fourth and final season i'm so excited i'm going to be uh joined by our wonderful fake nation alum danielle dirchlog and we are going to possibly have other guests join us throughout the 10 episode run but mondays you will see in your feed a succession recap from fake the nation so don't forget to check that out don't forget to just I mean, if you haven't watched the show, what are you waiting for? I mean, come on. And uh, I promise the the recap is going to be super fun. And you already know this. The show is excellent. Uh, so definitely check that out. Now, uh, let us move on with topic number three. This one's a quickie. A bride recently went viral because she decided to ban children from her wedding. Now, 
I don't know why this particular one went viral I know, because right? I've been invited yeah. to so many yeah. weddings that didn't that didn't allow kids. Uh, because she had followers. That's why. She, she had, had enough followers. followers to like make it a thing. Really? Somebody glommed on. I know somebody glommed on to it, you know, but you're right. That's what I was thinking too. It's like, how is this thought, all of a sudden a thing because this yeah, woman I says mean, it? First of all, you have both been invited to weddings without children, right? Like that's not. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I've been invited to events without children. I, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I've, I've, I've also been invited oh, to yeah, many. Children. I just went to a wedding this weekend that like banned children in the best way. I mean, her, her <laughs> I can't even talk about it because she's in comedy. But I mean, I haven't had my wedding yet, but I, imagine I actually would probably also ban children from my wedding. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm married, but we just have it at the oh, wedding. Oh, good. We're so I'll be, the, um, I'll be the disagreer on this one. Okay. You, you think children should be everywhere? What's what's going on um, with you? No, no, no. No, I don't. But the uh, but if you want to go to a wedding without your kids, then go to the wedding without your kids. If like you can't and you have to bring... First, here's here's really the only reason is because the best the, many of the best the cutest moments are the kids walking down the aisle and throwing yeah, the flowers yeah, that's really cute and the yeah. kids out there dancing and dancing on the grandpa's feet that's and cute. shit like that yeah, and yeah, you can't cute. and why do why would you limit it to just your kids uh like i i get it it makes it a little easier but it also kind of can make it harder for some parents like some parents if, especially you're having a destination wedding and now you're supposed to run off where do the kids go we don't Throw have somebody to dump our kids have like, a nanny oh yeah right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah or just, like, just bring in a flying ban- nanny if you're gonna do a destination wedding which is a whole other conversation that i i totally am for banning kids from like any events that involve like alcohol and fun ban the kids otherwise you'll step on them one will cry it'll just be a bad vibe but if you're or you could a, control yourself <laughs> or do a destination yeah. wedding. Look, I was of the fun person. I was a fun person who would drink <laughs> and didn't have kids. Control yourself by having kids, like not having kids. Is the other thing. And this is someone yeah, who just right. had a kid. So I'm, I'm going to like, you know, I feel like a traitor to, you know, single women who don't have kids or married women who don't have kids or just people who don't have kids. I feel like a traitor right now. But I'm but I definitely don't think kids need to be at weddings. If you want to see kids dance go to places where kids dance, you know, at like kid, kid things. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not allowed to. There's, I have That's a restraining true. order. Well, then, It's not know. me, it's them. <laughs> yeah, and then again, if you're going to have a destination wedding, which is a whole other act of whatever, and you want your friends with kids to spend money to go to the destination wedding, just hire a nanny to watch their kids while they're at the wedding. If you're going to make them fly wherever, the least you can do is provide right, child Right, is hire, right, right. Get like, in a lot oh, of those- Oh, you mean the people throwing the event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Child care available. If it's a destination wedding, I mean, well, which is, I've been to. I've also. I've also been. That's a good point. But I've been to. And by the way, like if somebody says invites me to a wedding and the, no, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the mail. Your invitation's um, in the mail. I'll, I'll, I'll crash it no matter what. <laughs> With my kids, by the way. I'm bringing my kids. Just my kids, not even my wife. So there'll be nobody to watch them. I'll be drunk at the bar. Kids will be running around dancing on people's strangers' feet. Yeah. But the... Um, if somebody invites me to an event or a wedding or something like that and says, like, it's no kids, I'd be like, great, that's fine. If that's your bag, that's cool. I totally get that. Yeah. It makes sense. And I don't mind going out without my kids. But if I can't make, if I can't arrange it, then I'm not going. And it's not because I hate you or I'm opposed to this thing. It's just like, it's not always as easy as and you think. And they get that. And maybe, how about this? Maybe they don't, they want, don't me want, there. want you there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but now yes. like, well, we have to invite Cousin JR. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> That's why it's like I get a lot of invitations to things where you can't bring kids and you have to be above 5'10". 
So like I don't <laughs> I always kind of wondered what that was about. I'm like, is Meanwhile, five... if you have to be above five ten, I would not be invited to that party. But weddings are so expensive now more than ever. And so yeah. sometimes you do have to invite like the whole family, but you just don't want to have to pay a hundred dollars a plate. And like a three year old, you might have to pay a hundred dollars for their plate. So you're just like, I don't know, you know. I mean, right, 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 right. My also the other thing I wanna say about these things, I think take the pressure off of weddings. They don't have to be the big event of your life like right. they really don't it should just be a fun night like I don't I've never I, I've been to so many weddings in Iran that are essentially a party and there's like an extra 20 minutes of like ceremony with the thing but like otherwise it's just like a nice party it happens at people's apartments it's not like let's shut down a whole weekend of people's lives you know what I mean mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like that so that's my other just general bone to pick about um how we treat I, weddings I in this think country. I think the 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 more interesting thing here is what you mentioned in the first place or did Jenna mention it uh, how uh, why did this become a story because this woman right. did it like you know and and I think it's because somehow it just became. Yeah, you know, they always someone say like caught this on, that someone cut on, it, and that person had followers, and then it got. Clicks. Yeah, they want yeah. people's eyeballs. They want. Yeah, it also could be. It also could be that they just claim it's viral. Then they always show like a couple of comments from you know here's what everybody online had to well, say. Well, right. This and this is also the other. This is the other point that kind of reverts back to the earlier point, which is that the New York Post is where we found this piece. Uh, our fearless producer Andrew McGuire um, reads uh, checks out the post. So I don't have to, but uh, you know that's their slogan now. I think, and, and, <laughs> but they, but I think they're also just looking for clicks. I mean, everyone's just looking for clicks. So like they put an incendiary headline with a story that is very like thin and with he, the dot 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 right before the like right our you know our Brad and Angelina F U C dot 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 you know like. <laughs> And at least it's well, more I got optimistic it. than talking about like the Idaho murders. You know what I mean? Right, so right, I'm right, all right. for it. That's yeah. true. All right, folks, let me know. Did you ban kids from your own wedding? I'm so curious. Anyway, next topic, the Iowa murders. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that is the end of the show. And I just want to thank uh, all of you for listening. But I want to really thank these wonderful panelists for being on the show. And I want you to be able to find them and all the things that they do. Jenna Friedman, where do they do that? Where do they find me? Yeah. <laughs> um, we're at the same place JetBlue finds you, I guess. Yeah, online, I guess. Uh, my TikTok is... I actually have someone helping me build out my TikTok. And, you know, I think that's where the kids are finding me. And, uh, yeah, I have that book coming out in April. I'm doing What's a it live called? show. It's called Not Funny Essays. Not Funny. Uh, it is available right now on, to, to pre-order. pre-order. And then I'm doing a live show with you at yes. Littlefield uh, the 18th of April. 18th of April and I'll mention it again on this show but on the 18th of April like a ridiculous um, uh, lineup of uh, wonderful comedians uh, that we're all friends with Jenna will be at that show um, for this uh, supporting the launch of this wonderful book Not Funny I guess you lost my number (laughs) (laughs) it is like a lot of it's all female comedians it's all women it's all women but we're not advertising that because we want people to come (laughs) (laughs) well I'm not going now (laughs) <laughs> JR's handiwork is all over. So uh, don't worry, you've already seen his work. Um, 
And you know where to find me and all the things I do. Um, and just a, as a reminder, I was a guest host on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me uh, this weekend. So if you haven't listened to that episode, take a listen. I think it's a fun one. Um, otherwise, I want to thank everybody who makes the show possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. Everyone at HeadGum. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. And don't forget, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com uh, to let us know if you have any ideas for the show, any ideas at all. Um, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.